This is the SCT Show. Here are your hosts, Tanbir Rana. Nope, GM fucking bats 1,000. It's not, it's never, it's not possible. You can't bat 1,000. And Nam Man. Jim's like literally like probably struggling. Like, what, what is this? Nobody told me that there's math involved in this job. <laughs> season two. The off season has begun for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, after a disappointing, I would say, loss. Uh, disappointing only for, um, you know, Canucks fans who were hoping, um, you know, a game seven loss always sucks personally for me. Um, joined here uh, with Ryan. Um, you know, I, I think losing game seven, it always gives you that glimmer of hope, even though, quite frankly, we probably weren't deserving of it. And uh, I don't know, like, I don't know how you feel about game sevens. Um, they always sting a little bit, a little bit more. They do because it's like you're so close. Right, yeah. especially in this series, where like the games that you lost, you weren't even in it. Like you weren't, it wasn't yeah. even close. It wasn't hey, even they, close. They were like six minutes, you know, away from from overtime. Um, essentially, a one nothing game, right? I mean, we're we're talking, you know, a one goal difference in in game seven. That's awfully close. Even though, good God, they didn't look it. Right, <laughs> both teams looked awful. They did, but like they ran out of gas. For sure. The Canucks ran out of gas. All those games, back-to-backs, the playing round, it all caught up with them, and I think that's where we now see it's like you got to have a deep team, right? Yep. The Golden Knights, yep. they're bottom six. It's unreal. Yep, yep, absolutely. And, and that's something that was such a big difference and something that Jim alluded to today. Um, you know, you look at Tuck. He mentioned Tuck when, you, you know, you compare Tuck to, sort of, you know, like a Vertanen. And I um, mean, we'll get we'll, we'll get Tambier's thoughts. We caught up with Tambier uh, a little earlier, and we'll get his thoughts a little later in the show um, about you know sort of what what Jim had to say and and sort of you know the off season to come. But um, you know what? Uh, it was very interesting hearing Jim uh, be very honest, and uh, I think maybe there was a little bit of a tactical play there too, because Jim knows there's. A potential for a very tough arbitration case with Jake, so uh, you know, perhaps you know, Jim's trying to play a little 3D chess here by saying, "Hey, hey, hey the playoffs were, you know, I wasn't too satisfied." But it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. At the same time, you know, you're also openly kind of diminishing, uh, a, a, you know, an asset's value that uh, if you're looking to trade him, um, you know. But uh, I, I'm sure other GMs around the league could also appreciate and understand what Jim was trying to do. He's probably trying to protect his arbitration case there, um, you know, and, and, and maybe even put a little fire under JV's, you know, arse here to, to, to come back and actually be um, more, more, you know, than he was in the playoffs, be more consistent. That's the thing with Jake, right? It's always been that yeah. consistency, consistency. Like we've seen his flashes, even in the playoffs, we've seen it. Yeah. Right, Tanbeer was was talking about how he's the only guy in the bottom six that actually drives play. I'm thinking, well, Tyler Mott actually drove a lot of play, right? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, right. I mean, like, but then even then, like, who do you expect to drive play? Jay Beagle? Yeah, with that bottom six, right? Yeah, you know, like, like who do you expect, right? Like with the bottom six that we've got, Adam Gaudet. I'll, I'll, you know, the guy tries so hard. It's just unfortunately. 
Um, he wasn't able to have any finish whatsoever. And, and even then, like when you look at it from a point perspective, I mean, I don't think JV got, you know, that many more points anyways than Goddard, who did get zero. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it just, it quite frankly isn't good enough. And, uh, and then this is despite the fact that, you know, Tyler Mott had a fantastic playoffs, like he overachieved. And so, you know, we got gr- something awesome out of, out of, you know, the, the, the bottom six there, but lo and behold, these veterans that Jimbo signed a couple summers ago are the liabilities that everybody said they would be. They're right? kind of weighing you down. They're weighing you down, and and then now it makes it that much harder to change up that bottom six. And and again, like you know, I mean, this is one of the things where um, you know it's going to make this off season really difficult, really challenging. How do you how do you improve the bottom six when you you just can't get rid of these guys? And it's going to be challenging, right? Like I'm sure they'll try. They'll try to offer around Roussel and, and Beagle and, and Sutter for sure. They'll try to offer. Um, but it's tough, right? Cause especially in a flat cap world, um, you know, like the $3 million bottom six player, especially the $3 million fourth line, it's going to be like non-existent moving forward. Um, and, and now, you know, Jim's got quite a few of those, right? Like we don't, often you know think about the fact that you know Ferlin's in that picture um you know jake could potentially be in that picture like there's just so many of these bottom six guys that could be these three million dollar guys and and for a team that's gonna be very top heavy real soon here just can't afford that um you know jim's gonna have to have his best off season and and it's going to be really challenging, especially in a environment where cash is is really really tough out there. Yeah, and he Jim did also mention that he doesn't really want to trade picks away anymore, right? Yeah, that he doesn't so, want to move a first or a second. He said. And how are you going to sweeten the deal then if you're trying to move a Sutter or a Beagle yeah. or a prospect? You want to keep getting rid of those again? And I'm, I mean, how many prospects do we have that we can really move out? Like, I don't think anybody's got any appetite to move any of the top three prospects. And quite frankly, nor should we, because their importance to this team is huge, right? We're talking about Rathbone, Pod Colson, who, by the way, has two points in his first three KHL games this season after a good start there in limited minutes. Um, and, and, uh, and, and Hoglander, right? Like, I don't think there's any interest in trading those guys unless you get like obvious bonafide NHLers. Um, and I don't know if there's enough value around the league and the Rafferty's and the Yolevi's and the Lins of the world to be enough of a sweetener. And quite frankly, again, like we need these guys, right? Like, I mean, moving forward, how are you going to be competitive uh, if you can't get those contributions from you know the kind of your prospects and your rookies tough i mean there's no easy solution here um they're gonna have to make some difficult decisions um and very interesting rumor i don't know if you saw this today they're apparently interested in you know uh, again in tyson berry they've been interested in tyson berry they've been they like this has been an interest that goes back years right like they they always always like this player um 
I'm not really sure. Like, like I, obviously, I think I, I love the whole puck-moving side of things, but I'm not really sure how he fits on a team that already is missing sort of that defensive shutdown type and, and, and potentially sees Tanev leaving as well. Uh, it's going to be crazy off season. And, and, the, and the, the part about it, that's even that much more crazier is how quickly it's going to come up, right? Like the NHL draft, what did they announce? I think it was, it's now October 6th. Oct- yeah. Yeah. Beginning right? of October. I, I, I think free agency begins October 9th. Like we're talking like four weeks. Yeah. You know, and, and so Jim mentioned there's going to be a lot of those, you know, the routine sort of year-end meetings and whatnot, including a very important meeting with ownership here to discuss, um, you know, more importantly than anything else, the the budget for next year. There's actually going to be a potential budget for next year. Um, I don't think it sounds like there's going to be, I don't think we're going to spend $70 million out of the 81, um, but maybe some of that, uh, you know, AHL money that we used to, spend freely is going to have to go away, right? Maybe Aquiline says, no, I'm not spending $2 million in the AHL for your mistakes anymore. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And uh, it's it's going to come quick. I mean, work has to begin right away. Um, and, and it's like, what a crazy offseason it's going to be where there's going to be teams working on trades before the playoffs even finish off. Um, the draft is going to be quick, and then free agency, boom, real quick. Uh, and 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 arguably speaking, all of this is happening in a time that you can make the case is the biggest off season in franchise history. Yeah, we always say that though, right? This is the every, biggest summer of Jim Benning's career. Yeah. yeah, we always say that every yeah. year. But I think every this this time it's it's for real because you've got Quinn Hughes and Pedersen still on their ELCs. For one more year. Yeah. If you don't win at least a round next season, you're that's pretty much it for Benning, no? I think the bar is... A, that's is the a bar second, now, second, right? Second, second round. round has to be the bar. Yeah. Minimum playoffs, right? Oh, wait, minimum and playoffs, quite, for frankly, sure. frankly, like I was listening to uh, Dan Murphy today um, and, and I kind of agreed with this too. He said he thinks we're as a, as we are right now. He thinks we're even money to make the playoffs next year, and I don't necessarily disagree. Like if they cannot maneuver and shed some salary here, right? Like let's just say you know um, without giving up assets, they can't move a Sutter, a Barchi, or Erickson. I think that means that they're probably only bringing back one of the big three free agents, Markstrom, Tanev, and Toffoli. Um, and if you're bringing back Markstrom, then your defense, in all likelihood, may not have improved and, and, and may have just actually gotten worse without Tanev now. Yeah. So potentially you could be looking at a team where um, you know, where sure, I know people always talk about, you know, the players getting better, but I don't know, man. I mean, I think it, here in Canada, we've got as great of an example, a set of examples as anybody over the last five years of promising young teams that didn't take the next step. We're talking Calgary 2015, right? That's all the talk. 
Yep. Here it is. Calgary's time is now, right? We're talking Edmonton 2017. We're talking Toronto 2017. And we're talking Winnipeg 2018, right? Every single one of those franchises. All right, here we go. They're going to take the next stop. They're going to take the next step, right? I mean, that was going to be, you know, th- those were going to be the cup contending teams. And Winnipeg, nothing. <laughs> Look at that team, right? I mean, like, not even a playoff team. Back-to-back years, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's how quickly the bottom can fall out. And that's how difficult it is to make that step from sort of playoff contender to cup contender. And I don't think it's a given that we're going to just naturally get there without making some moves to improve the team. Um, I, I, I'm very optimistic and hopeful that um, Rathbone and, and Pod Colson, those guys will, will help. I honestly believe, especially everything I hear and everything I've seen of Rathbone just gets me so excited. Like, this kid might play for us next year and actually might be um, an impactful player for us next year, uh, which would be awesome, right? Like, we need this so bad. Uh, and yet, despite that, the team still needs more. Yeah, because it's still how quickly can they really help you, right? And Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you still need others around to develop and keep taking that step. Like I'm thinking of Goddard, you know, like Goddard had a good year, took a step, but he still hasn't established himself as a bonafide third line center. Yeah. Right. He needs to take that step. Right. He, he's oh, the big I, one for your bottom six. Right. He's huge, especially for that third line. Like I would say good on Goddard. He's established himself from just, let's say a prospect to a guy that you can say, Hey, this guy actually can, be an NHL player, but as of right now, he's he's kind of tweener for a third line, more maybe suited for like a fourth line type of role. I know he put up you know a, quite a few points, but a lot of them were on the power play, right? The second power play unit where he you know got a lot of his points. I mean five on five, I don't think he did that well, and uh, so that's going to be a huge player there. And and of course we've waited forever on Jake and. I don't know if Jake's going to come back. I mean, there's certain, you know, people out there speculating. Maybe you see something like a Jake for Josh Anderson out of Columbus. There's another player who uh, had a down year and and maybe there's a change of scenery on both sides could spark something. Um, Maybe they use Jake as, as a piece to try to acquire a defenseman. Uh, It's, it's one of those off seasons where if Jim, you know, doesn't have some success, I could see us being kind of a borderline playoff team. Um, I mean, even this year we kind of overachieved, right? Like oh, yeah, we were kind of a borderline playoff team, were we not? Yeah, easily. Right? Playoffs came around. I think this season, especially, you know what it feels like, kind of. Remember that oh nine ten off season, kind of. Yep. Where it's like, okay, we know we're good, but what do we need to take that next step? I, I, would, I would probably go a little bit further if I was to compare the two eras. I would say this kind of felt more like 
the 0607 season where there were certain pieces on the team you looked at and you were kind of like okay well you know the Sedins had sort of you know started to come out and and put up numbers but they were still so reliant on great goaltending you know that was that year was Luongo this year Markstrom for us and guess what happened the next year they missed the playoffs and and then they bounced back um, you know Nona's got fired Gillis came in they had the bounce back but even that bounce back was two straight years of second round losses before they had that huge off season so i almost look at this and say are we at sort of summer 2010 here or are we more accurately at sort of summer 2007 here where we still haven't really established ourselves as a kind of playoff legitimate playoff sort of threat you know what i mean um expected to be in the playoffs um I mean, do you think, would you say you expect them to be a playoff team next year? I would say so. After the playoffs they had this year? I would say that as a fan, you expect that, but there's work to be done on the roster for, oh, yeah, for us to be able yeah. to, you know, kind of match those expectations with what's on, on the roster. And um, it's not going to be easy. Like, there's, there's options there. Like I, I, I honestly, I've, I've said it for, for a few weeks now. I really believe there's options there, especially um, some of these deals, the, the, the actual dollars are less than the cap hit. So maybe The Erickson one, right? There. Isn't that one of five million, actually? Yep, Erickson is yeah. five million of, of real cash left over the next two years. Even Sutter is the same sort of way. I think he's got about three... Maybe three and a half million compared to a four point four, four point three hit. Um, even Berchi, Berchi is actually a three point three hit, but a two point four actual salary. Um, even I think even Beagle is another guy whose um, actual salary is below the the cap hit. So one thing you know these guys did that was uh, smart in, in hindsight was they front loaded some of these deals where. Um, a lot of the actual cash going to the player has gone out. Um, can they use that as some sort of a leverage this year? We still don't know what that market is going to shape out to be. How much cash is there actually in the market this year? There may be certain teams that find it somewhat valuable to have uh, have a guy making sort of a larger cap hit but you know, smaller in the cash ride. Like Toronto, for example, is looking into this with Freddie Anderson. There's a guy whose um, cap it is, I think, five mil, and the cash is one mil, right? And so Toronto is saying, hey, you know, they're trying to sell really high there um, to pretty much say, look, you guys get a bona fide starting goalie, and you got to pay him one million dollars, right? The cap hit is almost sort of irrelevant to the conversation that they're bringing up. So, you know, may- we're gonna find out just how much cash there is out there and i suspect i suspect it's going to be um it's going to be a struggle obviously with you know worldwide the pandemic has been something that's made it really difficult so it's gonna be great it's gonna be awesome to see i obviously i think as connects fans we should be a bit nervous 
right? Like, especially asking these guys to do creative things. They've never really been able to do creative things, right? You don't, this is the first you don't trust them? You don't trust them now? Is that what you're saying? I, I you know what? Um, I will say that they've they've earned the ability with the recent moves that they've made. Like the JT Miller trade has obviously worked out. Um, and even some of their other, you know, trades like the Gutty for, for Pearson, even the Levo trade. Um, you know, they, they've earned the ability to um, at least give it a shot this summer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, part of me is a little concerned that uh, we're going to see Gunslinger Jimmer, J- Jimbo at it again um, this offseason. Uh, I think that Myers contract is, is going to age very poorly for us. Even this year, he wasn't a $6 million guy. No, yeah. Uh, was he a, not saying he's not a valuable guy? He obviously brought value to the team, but you know, he, he didn't earn six mil. And, and if that's the bar, then we best hope that he could do this at least four more times. That's scary, right? Like, I mean to say, Hey, just kind of achieve this level for the next four more years. And, and, and knowing that it still isn't that, you know, getting sort of the full value, that's going to be tough. But, um, I, I, I think, you know, there was there was a question being asked, actually quite interesting during the the Benning sort of press conference that that the, the Zoom conference that they had, and I, I can't I can't remember who the the reporter was who asked the question, but the question was, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, have you sort of learned your lesson about the the long term contracts to to bottom six guys, uh, you know, and, and Jim, you know, responded back by saying. Oh, the league has changed. Younger guys are, you know, producing sooner now, and blah 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 blah. And and it's and it's a, it was a little bit of like, okay, look. On one hand, I'm happy that you acknowledge you goofed, right? On the other hand, uh, the league changed well before you goofed. So I mean, it just took you a little bit longer to realize that this was probably not, you know, the the right path to go. Um, regardless, I, I don't think that they'll be doing those type of things anymore. Well, yeah, they they can't. I mean, you know, Tyler Myers is going to be, what, 34 at the end of his contract? 34, 35, something, something like, like that. that. Like, he's already 30. Yeah. He played 10 games in the playoffs. Yeah, he was good. Zero points. Yeah. You don't expect that from a $6 million guy, but no, he's also not really your, supposed to be your point getter anyway on the back end. You, you, but the the, the, but the crazy thing something. is, you'd think like that's one of his strengths is actually the his offensive side. Yeah, yeah, right. Like the that, puck moving ability is definitely one of his strengths and one of the the the, the strengths he brings to the team. Um, but man, the penalties and the penalties have just throughout his career have burned him. This guy takes a lot of penalties, and and it, and I don't expect it to stop. Um, and and you just wonder. Man, what's going to happen to him if he kind of slows down as he ages? Um, he's already not the greatest is. of defensive guy. That might be scary, but but still, I think they can navigate. Like, I mean, the St. Louis Blues won a cup with Jay Bomeister, and I don't think Jay Bomeister was exactly a stud. I think a Tyler Myers, Jay Bomeister type of, uh, you know, production, let's call it, within a few years is 
potentially there. But unfortunately, what sucks for us is just, you know, with, with guys like Pedersen and Hughes, like, it's great that they're on our team. But, man, they're going to eat up a lot of cap space. And that just really means you got to be very efficient elsewhere. So, um, I guess hopefully we can, you know, at least get sort of a number four, number five out of Myers for the next four years. And that I think would be a great scenario where it's not this massive liability is at least able to contribute towards potentially a cup winning team. Um, but, uh, there's other areas that they do need to improve. And, um, I don't know, it's going to be challenging, man. Like part of me thinks that this team might not be able to take that next step until the top three prospects are players in the NHL. Well, that's going to be another couple of years at least. It's possible, right? Like, I don't know how much better can Hughes and Pedersen, um, like, like, are they going to take, you know, five more steps? I don't know about that. They're already like, especially Pedersen, he's already really, really good. Right. Like yeah, I mean, yeah. so was Quinn Hughes. Like what, what do you expect? These guys are, are, are Pedersen's going to you know become a 150 point guy overnight. Like I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, like we're, we're fortunate that we're seeing these guys play at such a, a high level this early. I don't know if they're going to necessarily get double the production. Right. So then again, it comes back down to the other guy, them getting better production out of the other parts of the team more well-rounded team more well-rounded team, yeah for sure um i think that's going to be interesting let's see what tambir had to say we caught up with him earlier yeah tambir always has a lot to say tambir always has a lot to say i'm sure it'd be nice to see what his thoughts were um big day here with with the canucks in the off season beginning today um let's see what his thoughts were Ryan Lee Hall here, joined by Tan Biorana, the SCT show. And uh, there's a lot that uh, went on today. You know, Jim Benning made some comments about, you know, some of the plans moving forward. Jake Furtanen especially was always a topic of discussion for SCT. And, you know, I just want to know, how did the series go for you, Tan Vegas versus Canucks, they pushed them all the way to a Game 7. We saw a lot of fight in this team, and... It's got to be a positive sign going forward, no? Yeah, they definitely fought to the till the end there. Um, you know, Demko coming in uh, down three one. Man, did he put together some games there? He was unbelievable. Um, you know, gives you a little bit more confidence with the goaltending situation going forward if Markstrom doesn't re-sign. Um, but man, the team showed some fight. Game seven was frustrating to watch as a fan. Uh, especially after the way they played Game Six, they gave it their all. They worked their butts off. They were the, the, the you know, they found a way to win Game Six, and then in Game Seven, you get a five-minute major. You gotta, you gotta score, right? And um, unfortunately, in the end, the way because I really thought the way Demko was playing that we were gonna steal that game, and I was like, this team is really gonna go to the conference finals. And uh, it would have been funny if they did, but, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out that way. But a lot of positive signs to look forward to next season and a lot of question marks to to look forward to next season. Like, what's going to happen with the team going forward? It's going to be fun to see what Jim Benning does and how the Canucks organization looks at their team 
um, after a run that nobody saw coming, except for me. <laughs> except for you, yeah. Like, this team, they legit had a chance to go to a conference final, and the thing about them during these playoffs that I found was that when they play bad, they played really bad, but when they mm-hmm. played good, they were really good. But I, I think you could agree, Ryan. Like, they were tired. Like Oh, for sure, they yeah, were, yeah. Like, they weren't skating at all. Um, there was it was hard to watch Game Seven, having a back to back Game Six and Game Seven. Man, that could just kill your body. Like go to emotional high, tying the series up, and then having to play Game Seven. I know the the excitement was there still, but your body is just shook. Like it's it's pretty tired. And they played the the qualifying round too, right? So yeah, yeah, the back to back really didn't do them too many favors, especially against a team that's a lot deeper than they yeah. are. I mean, like Vegas, they were they could run four lines and be fine, right? Mm-hmm. Their fourth line was uh, it was great, and you know there were some positive signs in our bottom six. Um, yeah, you would have liked more offense from our bottom six from guys like Goddard and Jake, and um, even Pearson. He plays in the top six. He was nowhere to be found in this series. Um, yeah, like Mott was unbelievable. Tyler Mott, man, like he has to be a guy that has to come back in the bottom six next year. There's only a few players that really that you want to have next year in your bottom six, and some players are going to have to be here because of their contract status. But, um, yeah, like Vegas had four great lines that pushed the pace constantly. And um, Alex Tuck at the start of the series was unbelievable, but then obviously when Tyler Myers came in, uh, Tyler Myers did a great job on him. Uh, I didn't really notice it, Tuck as much. But, uh, yeah, they had four lines, and we had – maybe one like we had one with Pedersen like wherever Pedersen was playing it was it was like it was a good line I'm not not taking anything from Bo taking anything away from Bo Horvath Bo Horvath was great in the playoffs but uh Tanner Pearson uh and Tyler Toffoli was hurt as Jim Benning said today like his ankle injury was actually a lot worse than uh we did that they thought he wanted to come back and help the team win but uh Tanner Pearson was one of the more disappointing guys and JT Miller was playing her. It was pretty obvious. Um, Brock Besser raised his game, in my opinion, even though like uh, people were the goals weren't there, but his compete level and his uh, his work uh, his compete level was just off the charts. Great, and he had he had enough points. He had I think he had like four. I think he had like thirteen points in sixteen games or whatever. So the points were there. Obviously, he wants to see more goals, but the team uh, like guy like Tanner Pearson is where. Um, that's a, that's what we're missing, right? We're missing that other guy in the top six. Like, we have Toffoli, we have Bo Horvat, we have JT Miller, uh, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson. I don't think Tanner Pearson is a top six winger. I don't know if you agree, but I, I personally don't think he is. I think Tanner Pearson could be a top six guy. He's more of a middle six forward. I mean, he had eight points, I think, these playoffs. Mm-hmm. The thing about him is, like, he's very, he's very, very streaky. And I know Nam said that a few episodes ago, I think. Um... Pearson's very, very streaky. When he's hot, he can get pretty hot, but he goes cold way too often. And I think playing with Bo Horvat, if you're going to have him and Horvat, Horvat needs another winger, not to really carry that line, but to kind of, you know, be that super dangerous threat off the wing, right? Yeah, I think Todd Foley will help that if they get him re-signed. Because I think we didn't see the best Foley. He came in and he made an impact right away, but that was just... Him going off adrenaline, I think. Like, he was just excited to get back in the lineup, and Pedersen just took over that game, let's be honest, right? Um, but um, I personally think that our top six is a strength, but I think that 
a guy like Tanner Pearson, who has one year left on his contract, making 3.8, I think, um, is a guy that we have to look at moving, uh, especially if it means for cap, for cap, uh, uh, with the cap issues, right? Um, you know, people are talking about Jake Vertanen today and how Jim Benning said that um, he wasn't what he, he, he expected better from Jake. And, yeah, I expected better from Jake. I thought Jake was going to be better. I, I actually thought that. Um, he scored big goals in big moments in Game 6 against St. Louis. He scored a, a big goal against uh, Vegas, the first goal, the game-winning goal um, in Game 6 against Vegas. Um, I thought he was pretty good in the minutes he was playing and with the players he was playing with. Um, when he got moved up, he produced. Um, but again, like the expectations on this kid are so high that and also, he's, he has got arbitration rights, right, coming up uh, with his new contract that people are starting to think that maybe it's not worth paying this guy the money that he is able to get in arbitration. But people need to understand that he was one of the only guys driving play in the bottom six. Like, like Sutter wasn't driving play. Roussel wasn't driving play. As much as I love Adam Gaudet, he was not driving play. Uh, Tyler Mott was our best bottom six forward. But I thought that Jake Vertanen was our most dangerous bottom six forward. And as much as I want to see him succeed in Vancouver, with the way the comments that Jim Benning was making today, I, it might have been Jake's last game as a Canuck, and that sucks. But I think that, like, Jim Benning could look at – you could look at Jim Benning's comments in two different ways. You could look at it as him trying to get the edge in the negotiation with Jake – saying that we expected more from him and his agent getting that message and Jake getting that message and maybe hoping that Jake takes less to stay because he also compared him to Alex Tuck and me and you both know having Alex Tuck on this team would be pretty nice, right? Like I know Jake Fratan is not Alex Tuck right now, but getting compared to him is someone that a general manager would want to keep, no? Yeah, right? Like yeah. if a general manager is comparing you to Alex Tuck, don't, don't you think he wants to keep that player uh, that could be a potential, potential like outside. We all know the issues Jake has. He's he's a he's inconsistent, and he shows up shows to camp out of shape. I I just want to see this kid at his best, and I don't know if he's going to be here. I think he could be moved in the off season because of cap issues, which which sucks, and that's on Jim Benning for signing these these contracts that he had on the books, which is you know it's, it's, let's be honest, horseshit. It's fucking horseshit. Like, you, you got Louis Erickson at $6 million, Jay Beagle at 3 Antoine Roussel at 3 and now you might have to let go of a player that was actually one of your better players in your bottom six because you signed these shitty contracts, Jim. And I hope that Jim Benning um, finds a way to move some of these bad contracts. That's going to be his biggest, biggest, uh, you know, problem uh, this offseason and hope he could get out of it. I think the window now has opened, right? Mm -hmm. The window's opened for this team. It took a little longer than maybe it should have. The thing with Jake is it's the fact that he's a high first-round pick, right? And there's mm -hmm. a lot of expectations on him, you know, for good reason. We know he has the ability, but he doesn't even have the option to kind of fly under the radar, mm -hmm. right? I think on almost any other team, he could probably do that. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think he's the problem. Like, people could just dump on the kid as much as they want. And yeah, he went sixth overall, not great value. But guess what? It took 
Nick Ehlers how long to get his first goal in the playoffs. It took Jake Patanen only how many games? So I'm just saying, like, I know he we expected better in the playoffs, but expect this kid to come right into playoffs in the first playoffs ever and expect him to dominate, playing in the bottom six minutes, power play two, not getting any minutes, let's be honest. They were in like 30, 20 seconds in the, uh, on the power play. On the second and, unit, and, yeah. And, and rightfully so, the first unit should be playing more, obviously. But again, like to expect this kid to dominate and to produce at a high level, playing with bottom six wingers uh, and and, a, and Jay Beagle is hard for any player. For sure, I don't care who you are, right? And like, and yeah, the money like he could be asking for three million, and that's a big issue. Like, do you want to pay Jake for ten three million dollars? I personally wouldn't do it, but. He's a he's a better option than paying Jay Beagle three million and Antoine Roussel three million and Louis Erickson six million and Brandon Sutter four and a half million, right? Like those are where that's where the fans have an issue with Jim Benning there. Like he paid these bottom six bums. Sorry, okay, <laughs> bums. I don't know. That's not fair to say to those guys, but not the best players. A lot of money, veterans. A lot of money, but now you're stuck with maybe getting having to give up a guy like Adam Goddard and Jake Bertanen. And in my personal opinion, if the team wants to build a solid bottom six, the only guys that should be back should be Tyler Mott, Jake Bertanen, and Zach McEwen. And maybe Adam Goddard, but Adam Goddard has proved to me that he could drive play at the third line center because defensively, he wasn't great. But I'd keep Adam Goddard because he's young enough. But the, the rest of the guys are useless out there almost. I know Brandon Sutter had his moments in the playoffs, but it was against Minnesota. It wasn't even a real playoff <laughs> team, right? Like, let's be honest. Yeah, with, with Jake, it's not even about being dominant. It's just really about being effective, right? Consistent. Consistent, effective. talked about it too, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the one thing that Jim Benning did say, though, is that he's not looking to move draft picks. That's good to hear. It's good to hear, but it's almost like, how do you shed some of this cap space do you, you know, without trying to sweeten that deal? It, it seems like it's going to be a guy like Jake Tennington squeezed. You know what I mean? Like, he he did talk about they have to make some tough decisions with their RFAs. And, and, and RFAs he did mention Jake young players Patton, too. Yeah. Bryce and Adam Gaudet. And it seems like they're going to squeeze, squeeze this kid out. But, you know, draft picks, maybe, maybe instead of draft picks, they're willing to trade some prospects, like a Cole Lind or a... Uh, maybe a Jalen Chatfield, Ooh, maybe yeah. a Ole Ulevi. Uh, but he also said Ole Ulevi is ready to play in the NHL this year, the, the upcoming year. So, man, there's so many question marks uh, with his offseason and the way the team is going to look. Um, who knows how it's going to look? But I know that Elias Pettersson will be here, Quinn Hughes will be here, and those are the two pieces you need to build around. And whether Markstrom's here or, De- or the Demko and Markstrom are here, or Markstrom's not here, I think that goaltending will be a strength of this team for a long time to come because they have Mikey DiPietro in the system, and they could always go out and get a backup. With, and people, we do have a lot of money to work with. We have $17 million in cap space to work with. Now you have to choose which players are going to help you achieve the ultimate goal with that money you have to work with. Yeah, and next season is going to be huge because you still have Quinn Hughes, Patterson on their ELCs. Yeah, and that's right. that's a big one because I think maybe you look at going for it and without trading a Pod Coles and Hoglander, you know, like maybe you look at 
you know, like we have these guys that on the ELC contracts, and and that's and you know once once they get paid, this is going to get it's going to even get harder to build a team around them, right? So maybe you look at going for it because you made it this far um, with a team that a lot of people considered mediocre, and uh, they made it. They they won they won two rounds, you know, like they played a lot of hockey, sixteen games, a lot of hockey. And uh, they took Vegas to seven games, who were a cup favorite. He- Canucks were heavy underdogs, and they showed some will. They showed some, uh, you know, some heart, and that's what you want to see from your team going forward. And I hope that we progress. But you know, you know what, NHL is unpredictable, man. <laughs> it is, and if they don't take maybe another step forward, or at least win around next year, you have to think maybe that's it for Jim Benning. Yeah, it could be then the Jim Benning, right. if uh, especially if uh, this off season goes uh, sideways for sure. Um, but again, I think that I think Jim's gonna have these con- these tough conversations with with uh, his pro scouts and uh, the hockey ops side, and and they're gonna look to keep. I think they're gonna. He's already talked about it. he's already looking forward to moving salary, and I think a guy like Lou Erickson is movable because he's only owed $5 million, uh for two years. He's only owed $5 million for the total of two years. And that might be a, a benefit to a team that's a low-budget team that doesn't want to pay the full the full contract. And uh, yeah, his cap hit $6 million per year, but he's only getting paid $5 million for the for the two years remaining. So that's actually a benefit for a, a low-budget team. So maybe Jim Benning finds a way to g- put a sweetener with Louie and they get they get that get rid of that six million dollar cap it. That's huge if you just get rid of that cap it, right? So they have some tough decisions, but improving the bottom six is more important than and the defense. And the defense and bottom six are more important than the marks than signing resigning Markstrom, in my opinion. I think that you have a good goalie in Satcher Demko, and if Markstrom isn't willing to take a pay cut. I think you have to walk away from him and uh, sign a good backup and and ride Thatcher because uh, man, he he took he he played three motherfucking monster games like he was unbelievable. Almost stole stole his game seven. He was making saves off his back when he was on his back. Like it was unreal. Like I never seen a goaltending performance like that in a while. The only thing that comes close to me would be like Luongo in like oh seven. Yeah, an 07 Luongo was unbelievable. I remember uh, <laughs> there were so many times where I was just like, how is he making these saves? Like, And that's what it felt like Demko was doing. And he's only 24 years old. And I, and you could just tell the way he is as a person, as a character. Uh, he's hardworking, super, super smart, and he wants to win. And that's what you need as a, as a goalie. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. You know, Jim Benning's got a lot of decisions to make. What's he going to do in goaltending? His bottom six, his back end. There's still Tyson Berry talk. Is Tanov going to be back? Stetcher. A lot of tough decisions, and it's going to be a heck of an offseason. Yeah, I can't wait, but uh, we'll see what happens with uh, that Tyson Berry stuff, too, because uh, that's going to be interesting because uh, Sat Shaw of Sportsnet said that uh, Canucks might have interest, and the way he the way he played in Toronto, you know, maybe you get him at a one year, very very cheap deal. Uh, so that'll definitely be interesting if we could get uh, if we could find a way to get him and maybe he plays better than 
he did in Toronto. Yeah, this would be the year to grab Barry at a pretty good price. He can't play any worse. Yeah, he can't. He can't play any worse. Still an upgrade over Stetcher, I would say. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The better Tyson Barry is definitely a better uh, upgrade uh, over Stetcher. But I think Stetcher deserves to stay on this team. Um. I think he. I think he deserves to be here over Tanev. As much as I love Tan Tan Man, um, he, he's just he's just had too many injuries that it sort of scares me to pay him and give him terms. So, um, I'd rather go with a Myers Barry Stetcher Stetcher. Uh, D pairing on the right side next year and just see how it is, you know. Barry one year deal not gonna hurt anyone. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting offseason. He's got a bit of cap space to work with. He wants to move out more and we'll see what happens. Wow, that's a lot to digest there from Tambir. Um, you know, one of the interesting takeaways, you can tell uh if if the Canucks move Jake for Tanid. He is going to be crushed. Like, he is absolutely going to be crushed. Uh, it was almost sort of like listening into that. Uh, you could sense the frustration of, you know, uh, potentially losing a Jake Vertanen because we've got Roussel and, and, and Beagle, you know, and, and, and Erickson and Sutter all taking up money in that bottom six. And, and, and you know, something's got to give. Um, but at the same time, you could also tell Dan Beer, as always, he's a believer. Um, you know, he's a believer, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jake, you know, gets moved. Uh, uh, Dan Beer's disappointed and, and um, still hopes that Jake ends up uh, proving him right somewhere along the line. Somewhere, um, yeah. Right? I mean, but uh, man, it, it, it really is going to be such a key offseason. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see, especially from what we were talking about earlier. Uh, is this going to feel more kind of like the 2017 off, uh, 2007 off season, or is it going to kind of feel like the, the the 2010 off season? You know, that led to um, you know a great run because we were able to um, add a few key pieces and and take that next step. Um, it's possible that, and quite frankly, I don't think we're going to be able to solve everything in one offseason. Generally, that's not the case. But hopefully, they can at least make some positive moves that um, can kind of help make this team a legitimate um, playoff contender. Um, and then couple that with the push from... Cozen and 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 Rathbone and and Hoglander, you know their impact in the next two three years, and now you can you can see a path to becoming contender. Yeah, the only reason why I say there's a real chance for them to maybe hit a home run this off season is just because of how good Pedersen and Hughes have been, and they're still so young, right? Yeah. And how good they've been so early. Like, I think you were saying a few episodes ago about how, like, the Twins, when they kind of first started to really emerge, they were, like, 27, 28, 29. Yep. These guys are 21, 20, playoff, 22. Playoff warriors. Playoff I success, mean, that, right? Right. Playoff success. Uh, I'm still stunned at how much playoff success these guys had in their first go-around. Um, 
You know, I mean, like, there's a possibility that if everything works out for us, I, I know there's a lot of talk of us being sort of that Chicago, you know, the, this team reminds me of the Blackhawks, the, the, the 09 Blackhawks. Um, well, the 09 Blackhawks had a tremendous amount of depth. Um, they didn't get spanked, you know, by Detroit the way we got spanked by Vegas throughout this series. And no sitting there and, and you know, standing, having Demko stand on his head. And, and that's why we, we took this to seven doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we deserve to go to seven. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the offseason. And, um, uh, man, I mean, it's here, right? Like, the offseason is going to be real quick. It's probably one of the most fascinating things uh, is, you know, um, how quickly everything's going to unfold. We're going to get answers real quick. And I'm stoked. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super excited to see uh, what they're able to do. I do feel like they, they've got some leverage. Like, one of the things we didn't really mention is Demko. What's going to happen there? So many storylines. So many different storylines that are going to unfold. So many key free agents, both unrestricted and restricted. Um, and some players, some young players that actually have some value that they're going to have to make decisions on. We're talking a Goddard. We're talking a Demko. Um, it's begun. The offseason is here. Let's see what let's see what what it brings, and it's going to be. I really do believe it's going to be a major off season that's going to really set the path moving forward for the next few years. Make or break, you could say. Definitely, Jim's job is on the line. No doubt about that. Well, great show. Super excited. We'll call it a wrap.